Good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to our second Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection. And if you have a Bible, I'd like to ask you to take it. Let's all turn together to Luke chapter 1. And we're reading verses 67 to 79. And this morning, what we will focus our attention on is the concept of redemption and why redemption is such an important part of this story of Christmas. So here's what it says. And his father, Zecharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be safe from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, for the mercies to perform the mercies promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham. And he would grant unto us that we would be delivered out of the hand of our enemies, that we might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all the days of our life. Thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercies of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide them and our feet into the way of peace. Boy, every time I read that passage, I am just really, uh, I'm really encouraged and I'm blessed by such precise wording about the nature of redemption. And so this morning, <laughs> what we will focus in on is that statement in verse 68. It says not only that he has visited, but he has visited and redeemed his people. Now, that statement, redeemed his people, is telling us that there is a broken relationship between God and man, and that relationship needs to be mended. It needs to be restored. There has to be some kind of reconciliation that takes place between man who has sinned against God and God himself. And the way that that reconciliation takes place is through that word redemption. The word redemption has kind of two aspects to it or two ideas. The first it is has the idea of there is a debt that is owed. And so the debt is resolved by someone paying in full what is owed. Now, a person may be in debt and they pay it themselves. But in this passage, it's very clear that the redemption of our souls is not a payment that we pay, but it's a payment that he has paid. Notice it says, he hath visited and he hath redeemed his people. It doesn't say he hath visited and we have redeemed ourselves so that we are his people. There's a huge difference between those two statements. And then the second thing is it has the idea of securing something to yourself by paying for it in full. And so when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus was redeeming mankind to the Father. He was paying in full the payment that released and resolved us of the debt that we owed to God in his righteousness. And we reminded of Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is death. And without the remission of, uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The only way that we can be redeemed to God <clears throat> is if either uh, is if someone dies in our place, and and not someone who 
is also guilty, but someone who is innocent and chooses to take our guilt upon themselves. We call it substitution, the penal substitution of Christ. That means that this is a legal matter and God's wrath is being removed because we have the substitute Christ who takes his just wrath against our sin upon himself. And this is a very important piece to this whole discussion. Beside redemption, there's also the word propitiation. Literally, God's wrath against our sin is satisfied by the payment of the price of Christ's shed blood on the cross. A lot of scripture talks about this. Romans 3.25, it says, God set forth Christ to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And that word propitiation is a word that literally describes what the whole purpose of the sacrificial system is. The whole purpose of the sacrificial system is that when someone has sinned against God, God's justice demands their death. And so the only way he can commune with them or fellowship with them is if that issue is resolved and his wrath against their sin is appeased by the payment of a price. And so that was the whole purpose of the sacrificial system. In fact, I think 80 or 90 times in the Old Testament, we see the, the, the words sin offering together. The idea is that because there is sin, an offering is given to God so that his wrath will be satisfied. But there was a once and for all sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ. And so that's what it's talking about in Romans chapter 3, where it says God sent forth Christ to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Or in 1 John 4, 10, it says that God loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Same word. In Isaiah 53, we don't see the word used. We see the word described by the actions of the text. It says that it pleased the father to bruise him. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11 says he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So if you want to understand what propitiation means, you look at the way it's described in Isaiah 53, 10 and 11. It's pleasing the Lord to bruise him. Christ is an offering for sin. The pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He'll see the travail of his soul be satisfied. He will bear their iniquities and through that, my righteous servant will justify many. And so when we see that word redemption, he has visited and redeemed his people. It means that this broken relationship that could not be restored uh, through a payment on our part is restored through the payment of the price of Christ. So I want to leave you with a couple final thoughts here. Let's not look for a substitute. There is one and only one person who is qualified and who is fit to be our substitute. That's Christ. And let's not think lightly about what was accomplished for us. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. He paid the penalty for our sin with a terrifying and terrible death that ultimately established a basis for God to say, forgiven, redeemed my child. We should delight in him and delight in what he was willing to accomplish for us. And, and it's important to notice this. 
Christ willingly offered himself for this sacrifice. He had to go to the cross and he said, I'm willing to do it. And then the last thing I'll mention is this. We need to tell other people about it. In this season, when so many people understand there's Christmas and they think of giving of gifts and trees and lights and all those things, let's, let's remember to point them to the real reason we celebrate this season in our country. We are remembering the incarnation. We, we are remembering uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And we're remembering it because he is the one who redeems us to God the Father. That gives us some wonderful things to reflect on this morning. I hope that you have a blessed morning and Lord willing, tomorrow we'll continue our series. Bye now.